Welcome to another episode of Sound Connections. We are here with the man, the myth, the legend, the president of Mainline Marketing, and the reason that we are all here, Clinton. Welcome. Hello. To your own show. <laughs> How does that feel? Weird. <laughs> <laughs> thank well, you. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate that. <laughs> so I, I guess I just want to start with why why Sound Connections? What, is, what does Sound Connections mean to you? What do you want it to mean to other people? What do you envision it being? Mm. Wow. Uh, well, I think, um, you know, part of what we do as a firm, our, our rep firm is, is connecting people, connecting our manufacturers with our resellers, connecting our manufacturers and our resellers with end users. And, and um, you know, for a lot of people call me a connector, you know, I, I know, you know, just through my network of friends and colleagues, um, you know, I, I, I love connecting people and, you know, if you, uh, you know, today, just today, uh, the guy that built some cabinets in my house, uh, needed a masonry guy. And I'm like, Hey, I happen to know a masonry guy. <laughs> just coincidental, nothing to do with sound connections, but, uh, it's just kind of how I'm wired. And, um, but, you know, I think, um, you know, so so mainline marketing is is about making connections, and um, so sound connections. The podcast is kind of the same thing. It, it's it's just connecting people in our community, connecting like minded sound people. Whether you're making a podcast or uh, or you're you know like Zach who who works with us, you know has a Twitch account, and you know he's he's out there streaming. And so he's got a story and his story might influence or he might be able to connect with other people that are doing similar things. So whether it's, you know, we, we had another woman that, that, um, reads audiobooks um, and records using a, a, a shore microphone, I think. And, um, so it's really just the, the podcast is really designed to bring our, users, right? Uh, the people that, that are in the industry, whether they're, um, maybe they're not all technical people either. Some of them might be front of house engineers on tour with big bands. Some of them might just be resellers that, that sell technology. You know, it might be, uh, somebody that just records an audiobook that's not techie at all, but they, you know, but they, you know, they use our the products that we work with and, and promote. So that's what it's really about. And you know, where it's going to go. I mean, who knows? It's really, we're kind of really doing it for fun and, and to bring, like I said, bring the community, just bring people together and connect them. So what brought you speaking of connecting things and bringing things together, what brought you to mainline? Because you are not the, the OG president of mainline, but you have kind of made it into something that it wasn't prior to this? Well, uh, I mean, so, I mean, there's a whole story, I guess the, um, so I, I, I mean, I guess if I went back uh, on how I got in, in the business, because that kind of led me to mainline, uh, but I was, uh, working as a sound editor at, uh, at a studio and we were making sound effects for movies and 
for theme parks. And that's some of the projects I was working on at the time were for specifically for theme parks. And it was kind of a dream of mine to be an editor. And, um, so, you know, I went to school, I went to full sale for that and became this, you know, and, and had some internships and landed the, you know, landed this gig and kind of realized my dream. And then, uh, about a year into it, uh, you know, after my internship ended and I became a full-time employee and, and worked in these editing suites, cutting sound effects by myself in a very dark room, I kind of realized that it wasn't for me. I, you know, I'd work 12 hour days and, and staring at a computer screen, cutting sound effects. So the creative side of me loved it and I, I still do, but the extrovert into me, in me really didn't enjoy it. And I don't think I hundred percent realized that when I was going into it. And, um, so just a series of events happened. The studio I worked for was getting bought by a, a, a larger conglomerate that was buying studios all around the country. And, you know, I kind of thought about that and, and, um, and realized that, Hey, I'm, I'm the only guy they hired in the last five years and I'm the junior person on the team. And it's likely they're doing all this consolidation that I might not have a job at the end of this. So it just got me thinking. And there was a guy, I want to say his name was Gil who worked for a company called Digit Design, who made, um, you know, the products that we use to, to mix our, um, our effects with, you know, with, with, you know, um, so, so did design make DAWs and, um, and hardware for us to do our job, the tools for us to do our job. And, um, the great thing about that guy is he would come to our studio and show us all the latest and greatest tools. And, you know, really what he was doing is he's trying to, you know, the owners of the studio, the managers of the studio, he's trying to sell these products and get them to buy them. So by influencing us, the users, and how cool and how much easier it make our jobs, you know. So anyway, long story short, I, I'm like, man, I want that guy's job. What a great job that would be. And I get to talk to people. Like, it started to come together for me. And at the same time, I'd have my own rig and I could just do, like, mix bands and record bands on the weekends or something. Well, so anyway, so um, being a graduate of Full Sail, I went back to Full Sail and I met with a guy named Darren Millar. Great guy. He was the industry relations manager so he was dealing with all the, the, the manufacturers, the people that make all the equipment and, uh, liked to design. And I told him the story. He's like, man, you'd be great at that. And he gave me a number and I called, I called them up and, um, cause that was like, I think email was just happening back then. Anyway, uh, <laughs> dial up AOL. Uh, couldn't be on the phone and send an email. No, so no, no, no. You had to, yeah, you had to do one <laughs> or the other for sure. So, um, so anyway, uh, you know, and, and I had these, I went through this interview process and they actually offered me a job. And, um, but it was like, I think it paid 45 grand a year and I had to move to Palo Alto, California and work my way up to that job that Gil had. And, and that just really wasn't in the cards. And so I went back to the, to Darren and, and Darren suggested that, um, he's like, you know, really you should work for a, uh, a manufacturer's representative firm because, they represent multiple brands and, and, you know, a few of them are local. You should, you should call mainline marketing and you should call this other one, which I won't mention. 
And yeah, we, don't, um, we don't talk about that. Yes, no. exactly. So uh, I did. I called both, and the one we won't mention didn't call back. And 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 uh, at the time, the them. main line was owned and founded by and owned by a guy named Doug Swan. And he's like, "Well, I really don't need anybody, but you know, you you know, I I don't forget. I like your attitude. I I don't know what it was. Something I said got his attention. He's like, you know, I'm at this trade show next week. It happened to be in Orlando. Why don't you stop by? So I stopped by." And we had a chat and he's like, man, I really like you, but I really don't have a gig right now. But he goes, just stay in touch with me. Well, so I did. And I pretty much pestered him as much as I could without trying not to be a pest for about three months until he hired me. And that was, I don't know, 21, that was like year 2000, right? So um, early, like February of 2000 is when I think I... Uh, officially started and um yeah and that that show i went to it was in the fall so that's probably about right um so yeah he he hired me and gave me a very small handful of accounts and there was just all the planets were in alignment i think i i just happened to really um just it was my calling it was what i was meant to do so and because I loved it and because it was what I was meant to do, I, I excelled. And and then there were also other things that were in alignment, like one of our big manufacturers at the time came out with a sort of a groundbreaking product that took off. So all these things worked in my favor and I was super successful. And to the point where, you know, the program he had me on might've been a little too aggressive. And he's like, well, you know, instead of me paying you all this money, what if I made you a little small partner? And anyway, and then he started to have, um, and you know, probably even at that time, Doug felt that, you know, maybe it was time for him to, to do something different. So over that couple of year period, uh, you know, fast forward a couple of years, um, he came to the realization that yes, indeed, he did want to do something else. And, um, and transitioned me into a leadership role within the firm. And then I, you know, so that the manufacturers would be cool with me running it. And uh, here we are, you know, I think I've been running it solely for, you know, 15 years and, um, and we've grown quite a bit since then. So, you know, it's, it's funny that you say, so we, we obviously have, have started this podcast that's sound connections and it's connections based and you want to connect with the community, but it seems like you were always destined to do something like this because connections from full sale got you what you was your dream job. And then your connection to other people back at full sale got you the opportunity for another job. And it's, it's a really very cyclical thing that kind of happens. It seems to you that the stars aligned based on who you knew based on the connections that you made. And I think that that's very, uh, appropriate i guess for for what this is and it it's kind of an, a, a very interesting thing in your life that connections have played such a big part and now you are in the business of connections mm -hmm. yeah i i think um so i don't believe well it's a hard thing to say but i don't typically believe in luck i believe that you make your own opportunity and um so I think when you work hard and, and you love what you do, the people around you recognize that. So, and when they do, 
the opportunity comes. Mm -hmm. So, um, so I don't know. So I think the connections like the, where the people that were around me recognized, um, by making a recommendation or pointing me in a direction that, that, um, they wouldn't regret it. Right. So, so, and that's what we do. So, I mean, honestly, you know, the, the example I gave earlier with the, the Mason and the cabinet maker, if I didn't think that they would be a good fit, I certainly wouldn't make the, make the connection. Right. Well, that's a skill so, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you're, you're gonna, you know, and I, and, and so over the years I've made lots of connections, you know, um, and you know, there's another person in our industry named Corey Schaefer, who's, who, who's a big connector. She's a, she's known for that. She's very well known in our industry, hugely respected. And, um, and you know, one day I, I forget who I was connecting, but, uh, somebody with her or, or but, but, you know, she, she kind of pointed out to me that, Hey, you're a fellow connector, you know? And, um, so, and this was, I don't know, this is years ago. Uh, so in my mind it's there and I kind of realize, yeah, maybe I am. And, and it kind of ties back to this gig. I'd been doing this gig before I even realized that, but that's kind of what reps do. You know, I mean, yeah, I mean, we have to sell, but we do it in such a way where, um, you know, we're making these connections and bringing value to the people uh, that are being connected. And by doing so, you know, they want to work with us. Um, and you know, so, uh, I have this other thing that I say that, um, I call it AV karma, which kind of just is really just like karma in general, like human being a good human being, but just helping everybody you can doing the right thing by people. And it comes back, you know, so I got a question. Do it. Because he said something that like resonated with me. You said your dream job at the time, you thought you had it. You got it. It was the SFX. It was all that stuff. And then you realize when you're in the dark room, oh no, maybe not. What then became the dream? And, and do you know where that took you because you said something super powerful there that like that was my dream job and I got it that was 21 years that was a go and you've taken this somewhere where do you see it going oh wow man I don't know where I see it going I mean <clears throat> that's a hard one but you know I don't I didn't know that this was my I didn't know that this was really my dream job even at the time when I gave that example of um Gil I thought it'd be cool because I'm still in the industry still, you know, like I think when I, when I went to full cell to become a sound effects editor, you know, I've always had an interest in music. You know, my sister played music and I was always into music and I used to try to manipulate my dad's, you know, reel to reel to record tracks, whether it's her or, or overdubbing, um, di you know, recording vinyl records onto, uh, eight track, or I mean, uh, onto a four track reel to reel. Um, I don't see the value in that now, but 
the nostalgia's uh, <laughs> in nostalgia's <laughs> back let's so, tracks so anyway so i always had this interest in, and i think the whole sound effects you know recording bands was my first thought when i went there working in a recording studio and then once i was at full sale i realized that's super cool but i really enjoy this post-production side of it better and so i kind of went along that track but i think you know just because you enjoy something maybe as a hobby doesn't necessarily mean it's the best career choice. And then also I think, and this is something I say to young people, is try not to make your decisions based on the glamour of the job, right? So I think I was quite, um, you know, I guess for lack of a better, like proud to say, you know, that I worked in the movie business, you know. And, um, you know, so... I don't think I knew that this was my calling until many years later, even after I did the job. So I started at Mainline and, you know, did well. And, but it's, it's that feeling you get inside about fulfillment and happiness from what you're doing versus working in a studio. We have all this glamour, but get coming home with headaches from looking at a screen all day, which by the way, fast forward 21 years, most of what I do now is look at spreadsheets and come home with headaches, but <laughs> it's so, cyclical, like you said, it just, so, it, uh, it's a big circle, but, um, anyway, so, so, but I, I certainly appreciate, I think as we get older, we learn, um, and, and some of us that are lucky, maybe learn early and some of us, it takes a little longer, but when you learn what really energizes you, then, um, and how you can put that into your work and, you know, get that fulfillment. And, you know, so, so I learned that I didn't know that when I went into mainline, but I learned that later that this was what I was meant to do. Now, as far as becoming an owner and I would have never predicted that that was, that was luck, right? Sort of, right? Or like calculated if, luck, well, calculated luck. If I hadn't have been successful, maybe I wouldn't, Doug wouldn't have offered, offered me the opportunity. It would have gone to somebody else. So, however, what if that other firm did call me back and I worked for them? Right. Yeah, but we hate them. <laughs> we don't. So, by the way, I love all my competitors. I get along with all of them very well, actually. And they're a competitor now, but uh, for me, but, and I do, I, I, you know, they'll all tell you so. Uh, there's enough business for all of us and, and I help them any, I always help them anytime I can. And I feel uh, that's, that's paid me back in spades. Is that the AV karma though? That, that is really, the AV karma. You're not trying to, compete that way your no. your focus it seems like your focus is more on the brands you need to represent and how you need to get them out rather than what they're doing yes we don't necessarily pay attention to what they're doing the competitors we yes like at the firms maybe the brands we have to pay attention sure. a little but uh but no we we really listen I don't even know how I come up with this stuff, but I think there's like a, it's going to sound totally corny, but that whole compass thing, like it just, over the years, our firm has evolved. Like what we were doing 10 years ago is very different than what we're doing today. And, you know, we pick up pieces. Some of it we learn from other firms around the country. Some of it, we make up as we go along and we try stuff 
Um, and some of it works, some of it doesn't. At the end of the day, we need to bring value to the manufacturers we represent. So that's part of our mission statement, which we used to publish on our site, but we, we no longer do. But I, I preach this in every meeting we have, company meeting, like official company meeting and sales meeting, and our one-on-ones. We do one-on-ones with all of our team members twice a year. And uh, the first thing we talk about is our mission about bringing value to our stakeholders and our stakeholders are the manufacturers we represent the uh, customers we service. And those customers include both the end user and the reseller. So everything we do revolves around that. So if we're looking to bring value or new ways to bring value, because what was valuable yesterday may not be valuable tomorrow, right? The world changes. You know, I mean, COVID is a great example of that. Um, so, so I think that's really like this podcast is a great example. Are any of my competitors doing a podcast? They might be, I have no clue because I haven't paid attention, but we feel that this podcast, I hope will bring value to the people listening and, you know, and I hope that a good number of those people are the people that that we work with, right? The, the end user and the resellers that we service and our manufacturers that we, that we contract with. So if that's, if this is bringing value to them, we'll continue to do it. The moment I feel like it's not bringing value to the people, um, we'll stop and it's okay, you know, cause things change. So, um, yeah, so we're always looking to find new ways. And I think that's, that's, that's driven our success. I, I truly believe that. Is that why you've been able to maintain the love for this position for that long? Because it's not just staring at a screen every day. You do get to activate the the business side of your brain. You get to access the creative side of your brain. You get to at, literally come into a new problem every day, but get to think about a way to solve it. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, yes. So, uh, you know, I think uh, being a business owner, um, just there's new challenges every day. So I think any business owner will tell you, uh, unless they've got a really boring business, uh, I'll tell you that. Sweet accounting firm. <laughs> I don't know. Twice. I bet they have their challenges. I'm sure they you do. Know, like, I'm sure they do. You know, like this new math. I don't even know how to do the new no. math that my son brings home. Hard pass. But, on uh, the new math. What is going on with that? Math They're is, not doing math it is the broken. right way. Math is you broken. You have this many fingers. How's it? <laughs> I don't yeah, get it. Exactly. So, um, but as a business owner, I might have a plan of what I'm going to do, what I was going to do today. I have a long list. It's probably still on my desk. And um, it didn't go to plan, right? Like so many things come at you that uh just so just by default some of those things involve my creative brain some of those things are my math brain some of those things are um working with people i do get to do a lot of different things i made the joke about spreadsheets and i just stared at a screen all day but um of course i can uh choose what things i decide to do on any given day but um so it's not all spreadsheets, but I get to interact with customers. I get to interact with my team. You know, um, I you know go out and see customers. 
stay in the off, you know. So it's nice. It's nice. But sometimes I do wish I was just a rep again. Why? To, uh, because that's fun. What's fun that's about it? That's the fun part of the job. Because it's it's like this. It's like, really, I'm on the phone quite a bit with customers. Because if anyone hasn't noticed, I like to talk. But it's just the interaction, like the, you know, talking to them and some, you know, sometimes it's just personal stuff. It ends up being stories or what you did last weekend or the connection, the connection. Right. And then sometimes it it is truly business and they're talking about a challenge they have with a project and I might have the solution. And then when that happens, I, I get, you know, you know, sometimes I got to bring it down a level, but, uh, but you know, so that's the fun part of the job. Like the fun part of the job is, you know, as being a rep for me, the challenging part is, you know, as you know, we're as a sales rep organization, you know, we have quotas and things and, you know, I don't like to be last, you know, I want to be first. I want to be the best. I want to have the best firm in the country. And I, if I'm, when I'm, when I was a rep, I wanted to be the best. And, you know, one, and I don't know if we want to publish this either, but one time, um, one time at Bandcamp, I can't publish that. It was a flute. Do it. <laughs> I made a friend. <laughs> so flutes. It's always I, the flutes. I played an F flat and <laughs> yeah. it was over at that point. But uh, I was at this really large account, which will go unnamed because it wouldn't be fair. And I worked for a large manufacturer. And the manufacturer said, I bet you can't get a million dollar PO. And this was back in the days when million dollar POs were really rare. And that's I said, a lot of microphones. It's a lot. It that's a lot. A lot. Yeah, speakers. Or I don't know what it was. I won't say what it was. We don't have to. I do know what it was. But, but of course you know what it was. But it was a million dollars. But it was a million dollars. And I told purchase. that person. Yeah, but if it's, if it's a million dollars of something that costs, you know, $250,000 each, that's not a lot. But let's just no, say. But someone's got to spend a million dollars. Let's just that. say for this company, a million dollar PO had never, ever happened so anyway so they challenged me to get a million dollar po from this customer and i did it i got it done it wasn't easy and we got it done and it made no sense at all because there's a whole another story behind why it made no sense at all but they challenged me to do it they wanted it i got it done and and by the way it worked i'm also a big believer it's got to be a win-win right the manufacturer i worked for wanted it but just because they want it doesn't mean it's right for the customer. But we worked it out where it was a win-win for everybody involved, including my firm and the the reseller and the manufacturer. And we got it done. And, and of course, then, you know, I was the first. And then, of course, everybody had to try to outdo it. And they did. Sure. But, but, uh, but yeah, that's a whole nother story about why it makes no sense at all. But that's really like rep talk. You know what I mean? Like, Ooh, is that nobody, a side? Is that, well, that's, yeah. is that a side yeah. 15 rep minute? Talk. It's 15 minute episodes, rep talk. <laughs> yeah. so. Only for reps, only for reps. Because <laughs> yes. no one else would want it. So you've, you've been pushing out a lot of, of AV karma, a lot of good connections, positivity, there has to be a, a, a conglomerate, a, a group of individuals, at least on the other side of that coin. And how do you deal with reps, other marketing firms, other stuff that, that 
doesn't believe in your in your AV karma because, again, from where I'm sitting and from where he's sitting and I'm sure from where you're sitting, things look pretty good. But I'm sure that there's another side of the coin where there are people that have that negative connotation. And, and how do you deal with that? We just don't work with them. So cool. Um, <laughs> I like that. It's I'm so not direct, even, but he means it though. Yeah, no, like I really you could do. Tell like, he means that. It's like uh, it's just. I say we do have a choice, but we choose to try to work with everybody. If we're talking about a competitor, so I had mentioned I get along with all my competitors. Right. If one of them um, wasn't cool, like just did anything disparaging to our firm, you know, I just, I, I you know, I mean... I, I wouldn't help them, of course. You know, I wouldn't. So, so oftentimes what happens when it comes to my competitors is a brand will call us up that wants to work with us. And, and for one reason or another, we, it doesn't make sense. It's not a good fit or we don't have the bandwidth or whatever the case. But every time one of those calls, I tell them about AV Karma and that there's, you know, it's unfortunate that we can't work together, but... The good news for you, Mr. Manufacturer, is Florida is full of good firms. Like, there's some really good ones here. My buddy Bert Tunks, you know, is great. The guys at Benzik are great. You know, Bobby at Salesforce is awesome. And um, the guys at Quest are great. Like, so, um, so I look at their brand and I'm like, you know who would be a great fit for you is, you know, this firm. Yet another connection, though. It's like even in your own moment where that's an opportunity that could have been, again, business or choices to make, you're letting the positivity lead for oh, you. Oh, yeah, because I believe that, I truly believe that by helping my competitors, somehow it'll come back to me. And I, I believe it has. I think that's part of why we've done well. I, I mean, we're friendly with all of them. They're friendly with us. You know, there are some firms that are going to get along. So, um, and then with manufacturers, so if a firm, they don't even have to reciprocate, but if they just didn't respect it or, or just, if they were just not cool without using any negative terms, right, right. you know, just maybe I wouldn't. If they weren't on your AV uh, yeah, like, level. Yeah, then I wouldn't recommend them, Right. And, um, you know, and then same thing with a manufacturer. So if a manufacturer, more importantly, even with a manufacturer, because I represent them. So if a manufacturer, if we choose to work with one and it turns out that after we start working for them, they're, they have questionable ethics or just, you know, we're, we're just, we're going to resign quickly. Um, and that also goes, you know, over the years, you know, we've been in business a long time now, you know, it happens to every employer once in a while you, you get a bad apple that you thought interviewed really well and, you know, you thought they were a good fit and they don't fit our model, right? They don't have that same, um, same belief in doing the right thing by everyone and, um, you know, so some salespeople, salespeople in general, actually, right? If you think about it, just there's lots of movies and how 
horrible salespeople are, you know, we're all used car salespeople, you know, and we're all out for that dollar. And, um, and some salespeople, uh, I think, I think it's a small, small percentage are out for the short term win and to make the dollar today. That's an, that, that's not what we're about. So when, if, if, if we were to hire somebody that sort of had that attitude, they wouldn't last here because for us, it's the bigger picture and the whole AB karma doing the right thing. And so that customers want to work with us because they know that we've got their back. They know that we're not going to put them, recommend something that's not right for their customer or their business or so, um, you know, that's, you know, it kind of comes back to the adding value thing. If we're not bringing value to your business, to your customers, then why are we here? You know, and, and, and then it's a, it's a short, short game. You know, if you're not doing that, if you're not bringing value to them every day, we won't be in business five years from now, you know? So, um, anyway. Do you have any idea what seeded this? And it, it could be a go. There's a positivity about every bit of what he's saying, right? Mm-hmm. We're talking AV karma, but only from a positive. Negative people, we're going to keep that. We're gonna, we may resign that. We may say no to money, right? What was the origin of that? It may not have been a business thing, but do you even do you know? Is it something oh that because not everyone is positive? I got to be very very blunt oh, about that. Not. And especially in a business sense, you know that I myself I deal with a lot of different business owners. Not everybody has a positive approach. Your whole Everything you're bringing to what you do, yes, you are connecting people, but you're doing it in a way that's like, how can I make sure these two are going to do something and grow from it? It isn't like they're going to cannibalize one another and go away. Mm. You're making connections to grow. What was, do you have any idea what started that in you? Was Was it a young man thing? Was it a kid thing? Was it a parentage? Any of that? How did it get that you became this positive outlook person? There were these little people with pink hair. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they like came trolls, to me trolls. in the night. <laughs> yeah. They had no. a gemstone in their belly. <laughs> they were singing like, it's like Justin Timberlake or something. Um, it's weird. It's always Justin Timberlake. Yeah. No, I have no idea. I was born this way. So, were you always a positive person? Just even as yeah, a kid? Yeah. Like overly. Helping people. Like- overly optimistic. Yes. Too much. Well, I so see, I've been accused of too much help. You, you say where too people much. say like, "Hey, will you help me move?" And I say, "Oh, yeah, okay, sure." And then I overextend myself sometimes. Even now, even though I've learned as I get older, much older, that um, can't help and can't lift the couch anymore. It's not exactly, a, it's not a I'm good bad back. <laughs> but I don't make excuses like that. Typically, I just if I don't really have a real excuse, like I call it excuse, but. It's reason. not a, if, is, if a real reason would be a better idea, a better word. Um, I, I t- I'll typically just say yes. So when my son's school asks for help, even though I don't have the time, I'll say yes. And you know, if 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 you said, "Hey, man, will you come and check out my studio?" It sounds like crap. I'll probably say yes. I do need to move a couch like tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Will you come over? <laughs> yeah. When am I? No, actually, I'm in Treasure Island tomorrow. I can't make it. I'm leaving at eight. So. Um, that's real. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> so, um, but so anyway, I was just born that way. Um, huh. I was just born that way. Uh, so I, love that I know though, other people. Like not, not to make it about me in this one instance and then you can cut it. Yeah. I wasn't. 
right? He was not. I, had that, to get I can there. confirm that. No, and he knew me. Yeah. I was not always super positive, but it came to me in a, in a, in a moment of like, wow, is that something that came from his parents? Self, like, where did you just, you do not, no one has to help anybody. These it's are true. all choices we yeah. all make. I don't want to talk crap about my family, but not everybody in my family they is. Suck. <laughs> they <laughs> they suck. They <laughs> no, suck. No, they're, they're all cool, but. But not everybody's positive, right? I was just, that's why I kind of look at like, I just look at my family unit and and my friends that I grew up with and like, it's a mixed bag, right? Some are positive, some are negative, pessimistic, optimistic. Um, I was overly optimistic. Like, oh, don't worry. You know, like, it'll be better tomorrow. You know, and however, as I've gotten older, I've also become a, a bit more realistic. Um, and as a business owner too, because <clears throat> early on in my career at Mainline, a manufacturer might hire us and I, or want to hire us or interview us. And I'm like, oh yeah, we can get that done in 18 months or a year or whatever. And it's like, no, it takes like three years. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, but I've learned, you know, that's just... You know, you just get excited and you get up, you know. So, um, but in general, you know, optimistic, positive, uh, not to say I don't have negative days. Everybody does, you know. Uh, um, yeah, that's just, I was born that way. Well, so I'll say this too, is that one of the things that I think is very um, interesting about that is that the business you are in is typically perceived as being very cutthroat. And because you've started this AV karmic process and you pay it forward and do all those good things, you're in an unconventional position of power in the sense that people will come to you and have, and now trust you and now push forward all of this good karma because of what you do. And that's something that I find very interesting in in business in general, because I feel like if you have a bar across the street from another bar, their goal is to put one of the other, one of them out of business. Mm -hmm. And your goal is to, if I can build you up, you can build me up and then we can mm -hmm. come together and, and be yeah. raised further. I, I wouldn't say that I would necessarily build up a competitor, but I certainly wouldn't put anything in the way. Right. So by recommending a manufacturer to them, at the end of the day, it's still up to them to convince that manufacturer to hire them, number one. And then execute, if they get hired, execute it and do a great job, right? So I think if I owned a bar across from another bar, um, I would like to think that my bar would be different, right? So in my mind, my bar is going to be different than your bar. Therefore, I'm going to have a different crowd. I'm going to have a different demographic. So it's, so I don't care about your, like, I don't, I don't want to say I don't care about your bar, but I don't care that they're across the street because that's a different crowd. That's Both a different, win. it's a different kind of a bar. And, and then when I found opportunities that match their bar, I would send those opportunities their way because those opportunities aren't right for my bar. And so so I guess in that way, I would be building their bar up. But, um, and I would like to think that 
when they run into opportunities that don't fit them, that look might be a better fit for me, that they would send them my way. So that's that's how we operate when we work with our competitors. And I think if you talk to them, if they were here today, you know, Bert or Bobby or, uh, you know, Chris from Benzik, um, I think that's probably what they'd say about us, right? Is, you know, and their firm is different than mine. In fact, they all have, we all have different strengths and weaknesses, right? So we're not the end all be all in the rep business, you know? There's, you know, my competitors um, happen to have some strengths in places where, and, you know, and, and typically if we're not strong in a category, we don't represent products in that category. So um, I'd like to maybe expand those categories, but it's just the timing has to be right. You have to have the right people. Like maybe one day we will, but until then, when those opportunities come my way, I pass them, pass them off until we're, it makes sense for us to, uh, do it right. So what is, what is an opportunity that's been afforded to you by this position where you kind of sat back and you were like, Oh, wow, this is awesome. What's an experience you've gotten to have because of where you are, because of the position you're in that you're like, mm. this is so cool. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I'm that's... sure there's like a million, but give me one. I, I don't know. There's so many like, Early, earlier on, especially I say BC, which is before, before Colin, Clinton. before Colin, my uh, son, he's about to turn nine. But back when, uh, before, you know, we were able to like do cool stuff like, you know, some of the manufacturers we work with endorse artists and, you know, maybe we are able to score tickets to a really cool show and meet some really cool people. So we've met some really great, like really famous artists. You like, should definitely you know, name drop right now. Well, this goes back some time. That's so fine. like Sarah McLaughlin big was name. a big one. Tracy Chapman. Love Tracy um, Chapman. Oh man. The Goo Goo Dolls I got to hang out with. That They're was cool. fun. Um, oh my gosh. There's, there's a few others, but so that, so that was cool. I mean, so those are cool things and I kind of almost grew out of it. Like, you know, I probably still could score tickets for things like that from time to time if I paid attention to it. I think part of it is I'm too busy to pay attention to who's where and when they're in when they're in Florida or when I'm willing to fly somewhere. And then and you know, just part of it is even if they were there was a show where I could get to, could I really like family and time and running the business? You know, one of the one of the the coolest experiences for me is as we became a bigger firm and we had more resources, I was able to put together a trip for customers um, where I, so basically I went, I had this idea where I would take six customers to Europe. Now, Part of that was selfish because I was already going to be in Europe. So my wife is from Germany. So we spend some time in Germany every year and sure has an office in Germany and Barco who we represent also represent has an office in Belgium. So I went to shore and Barco and I said, Hey, what if we took six customers to Germany to drive Porsche and I, I like cars. So Porsche and I 11s 
through the countryside and on the Audubon. So we put together this amazing trip, which was uh, a roundtable discussion. So we picked some really smart customers that are connected to the market, that are super connected to the markets that could give our manufacturers some great product feedback. Like, hey, this, you know, this product should have, you know, this new feature or feature in a menu that you're missing or mm-hmm. so, you know, we kind of had them sign NDAs and they got to see what was coming and give the manufacturer some valuable feedback. So it, we had a meeting. So we flew everybody out to Europe. We had a meeting where they got to give uh, sure some feedback and sure got to, you know, uh, benefit from that. And then the following day I rented six Porsche 911s. They were GTS fours and we had this, we had a, uh, Jen arranged this knowing she knew Germany and she did all this research on these driving routes and we had six Garmin GPSs, even though the cars had GPSs, but we programmed six Garmins with waypoints of exactly where we we're going to stop. Like these little legs that were about an hour, hour and a half each. And we, she arranged all these, like the lunch and the coffee and where we're going to get ice cream. That's awesome. Like in all these historic places and our customers, so we had six customers and then there were six, what I call hosts, right? So I was one, of course, and then some, two people from Shore, two people from Barco, actually three people from Shore. So they're 12. So we had a host and a guest, one of our customers in each car, and it was a trip of a lifetime. And so we, we did the Porsches all day. We had lunch in a castle and, and had ice cafes at this, at this little tiny place. And there was a like this marching band that came through this little village at the time. It was, it was like out of a like, movie. It was it out of like, a movie. It yeah. was out of a movie. Yeah. So, so then, um, you know, we, uh, from, from, uh, Heidelberg, we drove, we rented two vans and drove to, uh, uh, Korczyk in, Bra- in, uh, Belgium to visit the experience center for Barco and along the way, we had lunch in Luxembourg, and that was just a trip, man. We we uh, it was just so much fun, and we visited these catacombs. And the lunch that we thought was going to be like an hour turned out to be three hours because the service was so slow. But amazing food and wine, and and there was just funny things that happened along the way with people's luggage getting lost, and some dude had to borrow shorts from me, and one of my customers. So. We made, so it was great because it's a tough ask. Yeah, it was. (laughs) And there was another instance where we're, we're, we're in two vans and we're making a left turn up this hill at a stop, stop sign. And, um, and the van in front of us being driven by, uh, I won't say who, cause I don't want to embarrass him, but he, he decides to peel out, you know, he's got like four or five people in his van. I got like six people, I guess. And I've got six people in my van and, and he decides to peel out to try to beat that, you know, the traffic coming from the right. And as he does, so the back, as he's going uphill, the back doors of his van fly open and the luggage goes all over the street. So, so anyway, but the best thing about this was, is, um, you know, like I said, our manufacturers got valuable feedback from these really, influential and smart customers and we all got close to each other and and made some of these really great friendships but we had the most amazing time so as far as my career at mainline as far as like 
you know, what you're saying about experiences. I mean, I can't imagine how else I would have done that otherwise. Like, so we're doing it again, by the way, but oh. we're not doing Germany. So this year, um, so we were supposed to do it last summer, of course, but COVID, you know, yeah. yeah. Mass so it was pandemic. all, it was all planned. I was ready to call the people we were going to invite in February, late February. I had to go to a conference. So I come back from the conference and I'm like, oh yeah, I better get to that. I better get it done. I better start calling people. And then of course our country got shut down. So um, we ended up, everything was actually already booked, paid for, and we had to, you know, undo all that. And that was a challenge. So here we are again in 2021. I'm going to knock on wood, but yeah, we're going to just heard today. So England was supposed to lift their restrictions. So this time we're doing London and Belgium because Shore has an experience center in London. And um, I called all of the guests that we're intending on bringing. And it sounds like they're all in. I think my phone was off for that phone call. I must have have missed that. So um, we're going to, but instead of Porsches through the countryside, we're going to drive land over over rocks and mud and and, uh, on this closed course. And it's going to be a lot of fun. We do that all day. So it'll, same format, um, you know, mostly a different group and a different city. So we're going to do that in London. But I just heard today that they're under quarantine right now. They're, orange, whatever level orange. And they're supposed to lift the quarantine by mid June. I just heard that they might extend it to August. Well, we will keep our fingers crossed that that does not happen. Yes. Otherwise, but so one of the great things about doing what we do and trying to build these connections, right? So that part of that trip is building connections as well with really great people because we only invite great people on that right. trip, by the way. And not just because of the amount of business they do, but just their humanness. They have to be really great people. So, um, uh, I forget where I was going with that. I forget what Those I was saying. Connections oh, make. the connections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so that's part of it is, is building connections. So those connections we built on that last trip, they're people I of course already knew, but you know, when you're spending six days with somebody driving a hundred miles an hour in a port, <laughs> you kind of awesome. get to know them. So. Sounds awesome. Uh, and they might've heard some words out of my mouth when, especially when I'm not driving that, uh, you know, anyway, so it was awesome. And, um, hopefully we'll do it again, but this time in Land Rovers at a much slower pace. Well, I hope that that gets to happen. Uh, we will keep our fingers crossed for you. Thank you for coming on your own podcast and explaining kind of what sound connections is and what it means to you. And I think anyone that watches or listens to this is going to really understand how big a a role connections play in your life and uh, hopefully put forward some, uh, some AV karma. That'd be awesome. I think if everybody did that, we'd all be better people. Strong agree. But again, Thank you for coming. I appreciate it. And uh, this was another episode of Sound Connections, guys. Thank you so much for watching and listening. And we will see you guys all back here next time. Thanks for listening to another episode of Sound Connections brought to you by Mainline Marketing in Winter Park, Florida. We hope you enjoyed everything you heard. We hope you enjoyed this sound connection. Guys, don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe if you're on YouTube or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We appreciate it and we will see you all back here next time.